a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. And welcome to an expanded Inside Sources. It's great to be with you. We'll be with you for the next two hours. And by we, I mean myself, KSL legal <laughs> analyst Greg Scordis, and all-around political expert, not just KSL political expert, Marty Carpenter. Marty, it's good to be with you today. Good to be with you. Legal expert, does that mean, or you're the legal analyst, does that mean you're billing us by the hour, by the six-minute increment today? <laughs> How's that going? Yeah. No, 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 no. We're just going to talk today. <laughs> well, Greg, we've hung out before on KSL at night. This is our first time taking to what I would call radio's prime time. And so good to see you in the daylight and, and in a room that has a window uh, as we talk about some of the issues uh, we're facing today and the, the news of the news cycle. And on one of the issues we're facing today, and fortunately it's not on the, the TV, is the World Cup. Because we were watching it as we were preparing today, Marty. And at the time when, when the show started a few minutes ago, uh, the U.S. was ahead one to nothing. We're going to forget about that now and talk about the news of the day. But maybe uh, maybe kind of keep our eye on the screen if it ever happens to show up again. And, and of the screens in here, it is one-fourth of one of the four screens so we're going to be straining our eyes to see it, but yes, one nothing. They're just about to kick off the second okay, half. We'll keep the audience. And, uh, and if someone just starts yelling "goal," yeah. then you know that the U.S. has scored. And if uh, if we go silent, that means we've had to bleep out something that Greg was maybe yelling. If the U.S. <laughs> gives right. up That's a right. goal, but we'll try to keep it uh, above board for the rest of the rest of the show. Uh, all right, some of the biggest stories out there, and maybe the biggest story internationally, are the protests going on in China. Protests have erupted across the nation over the country's strict zero. COVID health policy, which when I when this story first popped, Greg, what I thought was, oh, my goodness, uh, they get upset about this in communist countries, just like people got upset about zero uh, zero COVID type health policies and mask mandates and stuff here in our country call, as Marty, well. When, when COVID first uh, erupted, uh, China had a zero COVID policy. In fact, they shut down the whole city of uh, Wuhan, 11 million people. Yeah, not and, a small city. And, and it seemed to be effective. It seemed to be working. At the time. Yeah. You would think of any place that could handle sort of a full control, let's shut the whole thing down. It would be a communist country. Right. But everyone seems to have their breaking point, And these are large mass protests, some of the largest we've seen in a long time coming out of China. So let's set the stage a little bit. What prompted the people to take to the streets against their government? And where could these protests be headed? So the protests began with a fire in an apartment complex in Urumqi in northwest Xinjiang region. And that fire killed 10 people, really set off this wave of concern about strict COVID lockdowns, which have been coming in waves across the country for many months. There have been a lot of discontent, uh, not just in Xinjiang, but you know, everywhere. And the, uh, the fire, the death, that seemed to have been made worse by the fact that emergency responders were delayed in arriving. And the suspicion is that this was caused by COVID restrictions. Well, that's really what sparked broader concerns and calls for 
the policy to change. We should indicate that that was a correspondent Christian Shepherd talking about how these uh, protests have gone. And, and Marty, I was looking at one statistic, and there are now 40,000 new COVID cases per day in China, which is more than they had during any time when we considered the pandemic to be at, 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 you know, at, attacking our, our world. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and part of that probably based on the fact that there's not a lot of natural immunity because they lock down so heavily initially. And of course, we're well versed in this now in the United States. And we can say 40,000 cases, cases are one thing. How many hospitalizations? But do they go to the hospital for the same reasons there? And there are all these intricacies to it uh, that you have to factor in. Yeah. And so the people of China are responding to this zero COVID policy. They're responding to the fact that that they're shutting people down. And in China, it's a little different. The United States, when they shut us down, Marty, we just kind of keep going. <laughs> you know, they, they say wear a mask and some people do and some people don't. They say stay home and you still see the streets going. But in China, when they shut it down, it's it's kind of a serious deal. Yeah, they have a little more control over that there. That's right. Just That's based right. on their natural system, yes. Um, Christian Shepard also laid out some actions that the government took in the months leading up to the display of anger that we're now seeing. The concerns with zero COVID, they really started to escalate around March when Shanghai, the most popular city in China, was put under a really strict lockdown. And this is coming at a time when the rest of the world is starting to open up to learn to live with the virus. Well, it seems that China was going the other way. And for residents in Shanghai, this was a really traumatic experience. They were you know, confined to their homes, struggling to get hold of food. Uh, medical care was was also very hard to um, secure. So, you know, this was really a very difficult situation and it started to create this concern that really the policy wasn't working anymore. And that built up over a period of time that everyone was waiting for there to be a change at a big meeting of the Chinese Communist Party in October. Um, this was expected to be a time when uh, Xi Jinping would take on a third term, that he would be able to announce a shift in policy. But instead, he seemed to double down and say that zero COVID should stay. And so that really worried people. A lot of people were concerned, you know, how long is this going to go on for? When does it end? Um, and so when the fire broke out in Urumqi, that really uh, brought all this discontent to a head. And it seems like, Marty, it was just a month ago when, and, and Christian just outlined this a little bit, when Xi Jinping reasserted himself as president for an unprecedented third term, sort of ousted a lot of his uh, detractors and opponents and, and I guess, uh, people that might have sort of had that position in mind. Um, so now he's, he's, he's in charge again and really putting his fist down. And a lot of the protesters, and we'll hear this later, have actually called for his resignation. I mean, that's something we don't see in China, and we haven't seen at least since the Tiananmen Square incident. Yeah, and you know, the interesting thing, as I looked into this and read about this, is um, not surprisingly, China's pretty good at putting down these types of ups, uh, these these types of protests. 
uh, <laughs> when I say they're good at it, I should say they're effective. A good <laughs> right. is probably oh, yeah. not the right term. They're effective at it in that they usually can come in and say, uh, you know, hey, they'll give some type of concession or promise of concession or they're going to fix it. They get people to stand down and then anyone who's kind of left standing, who knows what happens to those people. But it's generally not a very, um, you know, what, what, what we would consider to be a, a good situation for them. So they're pretty effective at putting down uh, protesters when they pop up. And it's such a I, th- I think we have a hard time with the scope. China's so big. The population is so big and the government control is so much more complete than it is here. It's just so hard to see how a protest, even a sizable one, even one that's in multiple cities, can get to the point where it's out of control for the communist leadership. And it does involve thousands of people who have taken the street in over a dozen cities. Um, Christian also talked to us about how these protests could impact Xi's uh, leading party going forward. Well, Xi Jinping is, is China's most powerful ruler in decades, and he has a lot of personal control over the party. The Congress very much went his way. He got all of his loyal lieutenants into key positions. So the idea that this could somehow topple him um, or really weaken his rule, I mean, it's not something that many observers of Chinese politics believe. However, it does really shine a light on some of the the biggest problems with his form of policymaking, which is that it's very top-down, it's very centralized in his own hands, and it's very politically motivated. So for zero COVID, not only has it been promoted as an idea for the best medical uh, approach, it's also been promoted as demonstrating that China has a superior political system, that it can enforce these lockdowns and carry out mass testing and quarantine, which are things that the rest of the world couldn't do. And so it's really kind of brought to the, the forefront of people's minds, you know, what else could Xi Jinping be determined is the right policy for China? What else could he do that could intervene in daily life? And so I think that's why we're starting to see people protest not just about zero COVID, but also about some of the broader political and social issues that have been mounting under his rule. Going to be interesting to see what happens there, and it's just not something you see in China. And uh, I mean, we've seen some uh, 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 protests in Iran as well. I mean, some of these countries that you think of as so authoritarianism and so harsh on their people are really seeing some backlash from that. Uh, and we'll see how the the quashing of this goes moving forward. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out. And you know, when we come back after this segment, we're going to shift our attention from international to domestic. And Congress has a lot of homework left before the end of the semester <laughs> and and a change in House leadership coming after the new year. So they've got not only a ticking clock, but some changing politics. And we're going to talk a little bit about what's on the agenda for the lame duck Congress uh, in the lame duck session coming up when we come back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. 
That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.